I mean, this is this is what we've, we've dreamed of for 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 14 years, and it's here. This this is it. It's here. Yeah. I mean, it's not the final fulfillment of every dream we've ever had, but this you know this is a step on the way, and I mean, we're at it. We're there. We're on the way, and maybe we'll keep going farther from there. Welcome back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eatmore SK on Camden Chat. It is September the 30th, 2012 in the evening as we're recording this episode. And in fact, as we are in the process of beginning this, the uh, Texas Rangers and Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Orange County, California, United States of America are playing the second game of their doubleheader. Uh, it's quite possible... As I'm here with my podcasting partner in crime, Andrew Gibson, he's he's back from his West Coast adventure, from abandoning me for his travels. Welcome back, by the way, Andrew. It's very nice out there. Have you ever been out there? I have. Uh, I have never been to California. Um, it was it's. Uh, L.A. is is not that nice. Um, but I have some very good friends who live there. It was nice to see them. Uh. San Francisco is really cool, and we were in Yosemite, and that's cool because you finally see the Purple Mountains that all the songs are always talking about. I have never seen the Purple Mountains, so you got that one up on me. So did you get the uh, did you get the virus? I hope you didn't get the virus. Um, I guess that's to be determined because yeah. they said the the incubation period for it is a couple weeks. Well, everyone out there, hope that Andrew did not get hent of. So. Keep your fingers crossed. So, so what I was trying to get at here is Andrew and I. The uh, the tenor of the podcast may rapidly shift as the Rangers score potentially goes final if they win. And of course, all of you listening to this in the future already know whether or not that has happened. So you can uh, you can possibly look forward to that moment. It will be at some secret moment in the future if it's going to happen. But for now, Andrew and I will just be talking. Orioles and uh, how about demos, Andrew? How about demos? Andrew was at the Brooks Robinson statue night yesterday. I sure was. So that what was, my, was awesome uh, about that. Just give us for anyone who maybe missed it, or just relive it for anyone who didn't. So, for the first time, really since uh, since forever, outside of like opening day, I, I met some friends and we were walking up to the park. And I said, like, uh, there's too many people here. If we want to have a conversation, like, we have to go somewhere besides Camden Yards. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, usually in uh, late September, you can hear echoes in the stadium and so on and so on. Right. It's so, usually just dead in there because there's 10,000 people for, you know, yeah. whatever. But it was so loud. And, and electric like we always we always uh get to see all these other teams in october and late september just with just terrifyingly electric stadiums and you're like i don't really want to see my team go in there and now it's almost like i bet all those other teams don't want to come into camden yards 14 years of pent-up emotion just pouring out of orioles fans and near sellout crowds pretty cool that's a that's a good way to put it. it. It really does feel cathartic in a in a real way that that matters, and it, it helps make 
these games this past weekend just felt like inevitable wins just as soon as the game started. Right, like and, from the first inning, you know, they were pumped yeah. and getting ready to cheer, two strike strikeouts, even, you know, just from the very like, beginning. It just it felt like the Red Sox had no chance whatsoever to win even one game. Without even considering the fact that they had their, their own manager calling them the least talented uh, September team in forever or whatever it was yeah. he said about What a that. mess. What a mess that is. Um, it's too bad because, of course, the Red Sox are going to be in New York for the rest of the season. Yeah, so that... Uh... That dampens the enjoyment of the Red Sox misery a little bit, because that probably means they're just going to roll over and get swept for the Yankees. I would not be surprised if if none of those games were close. No, like, you know, 10 to 2 games, yeah. where the 2 is like a garbage time 8th inning right. thing. Some, some FU home runs, maybe. Exactly right. So the news today from the Orioles was that Adam Jones was once again named the most valuable Oriole. And Andrew, I think we talked about that a bit on last year's podcast around this time. Mm-hmm. There was a bit less uh, bit less excitement about that. <laughs> I, I believe our conclusion at the time was, well, if you're saying Adam Jones is your best baseball player, that's probably not a good sign for your team. But uh, this year, I have no problem saying, hey, Adam Jones is our best baseball player, and he deserved to win that award. Yeah, the... Um... It's kind of cool. The three top finishers, I guess, um, were Adam Jones and Jim Johnson and Matt Wieters, I believe, in that order. New dad, Matt Wieters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, those three guys we've really watched come in as a somewhat wide-eyed rookies and and really grow and develop into these these frontline elite players in a sense i think you can say that a lot more about weeders and jones and less about jim johnson although he's obviously really become a really really good late inning relief pitcher right not that saves mean anything but 50 saves is pretty cool all the same even though saves don't mean anything. well but obviously the question is, would he have finished second in the most valuable Oriole voting if he didn't have 56? No, probably not. If he still had his uh, two, three-something ERA, was still pitching meaningful innings, uh, would, would, he, would he get any votes? How many votes did Darren O'Day get? He had a lower ERA than Jim Johnson. Uh, it doesn't say that Darren O'Day got any votes. I'm looking at the press release now. Other than the top three, uh, Wei Yin Chen and Nick Markakis also received votes. That's yeah. the end of the list. I don't, I, know, I, I don't know who all uh, votes on that. So the voting was five points for first place vote, three points for second, one point for third, mm-hmm. and that's the ballot. Well, one thing I can tell you is that neither Andrew nor I nor anyone <laughs> else saw at Camden Chat was included in the voting no we don't get to vote on very many things yeah uh maybe uh sb nation will do their sort of uh unofficial awards voting that's always fun right and even then there's only two votes per blog so andrew and i will have to like fight for the death to see who gets the second one other than state (laughs) well i'm i'm pretty sure that's going to you so. so anyway, so Adam Jones is the most valuable Oriole and well-deserved because 
he's really he's really grown into his his power potential yeah. and, and leadership abilities on this team. So considering in the offseason before this, I was saying that they got to trade Adam Jones because I didn't think he was ever going to take that step forward. Uh, I am uh, among many things I'm glad to be wrong about. That is up there this year because mm-hmm. he's uh, even though he still frustrates you with the low and away pitches sometimes, he's really he took a step forward as a player this year, and that's great. And he's uh, filling the leadership role as far as, you know, being the face of the franchise because he's always out there on Twitter just trying to get people pumped up about the Orioles. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool. There's actually somebody who's a good player who's taking it upon themselves to, you know, be excited about the team and try and get other people excited about the team. It's neat. So, I mean... You, you know, you make fun of intangibles a bit, but that's a definite kind of intangible in Jones's favor, I would say. Yeah, and and it, it sounds like uh, Matt Wieters has the same sort of uh, pluses going for him. Uh, he's he's not as vocal, especially with the fans and Twitter and things, but uh, he's obviously become sort of the center of the the pitching staff and and the catching core. Um. And and all that stuff really matters. Right. Um, you know he's taken charge. He it just he has to have. Right. It, it's very very difficult to uh, quantify. I I really hate that phrase, but in this case it's true. But all of that stuff still adds up, and the fact that we have a difficult time measuring it uh, doesn't mean we should forget about it. Because weeders, I mean. And he's just so good. It's, you forget. Because like, it's another thing where, well, when he was drafted, there was the whole Matt Weeders facts thing, and he was supposed to be the best ever immediately. So, I mean, he's not the uh, you know the best hitter in the game while being the best defensive catcher in the game. But, man, then you watch, like, today, where he just throws out Dustin Pedroia from his knees, cool as you please, after a sidearm pitch coming in from Darren O'Day. So it's not like that was, you know, an easy pitch to throw out somebody on. And you just are like, it's amazing when you see him do something like that. It's just, when you when you see him do something like that, it's amazing that anyone ever successfully steals a base <laughs> against him. Like, his actual percentage is, what, like 37%, I think? Maybe uh, it went up with the one he got today. And... It's like, how do they succeed 63% of the time? And you sort of wonder how much of that is they're stealing off pitchers right. instead of off him. Right, exactly. Because there's a bunch where if you give him any chance at all, he, he will get them. Or if, you know, maybe like J.J. Hardy doesn't slap tag into the dirt instead of slap yeah, right. tag into the yeah. runner, which I feel like has happened at least three times. Well, yeah. Uh, was it Pedroia the other night? Yeah, it was Got just a, Friday a night, I think. Just holding his hand back for a second. Yeah. And I mean, that's a great slide. You, you got to give him credit for that. But, you know, if Hardy just drops the glove instead of doing the swipe tag, that's an out. So, I mean, those are, those are our best guys and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's double cool because, you know, they weren't free agents. They didn't come here because the Orioles offered bad contracts that were more than anybody else was willing to pay for really good players. Uh, they they went out and did their homework and and found young players that they can actually build around and developed them into 
players that yeah. are worth building around. Like, because I, I mean, one of the tipping points of the season, as far as just starting to buy in, was the Adam Jones extension. Like, that's where they planted the flag and said, <laughs> "Yeah, right. this far and no farther, the line must be drawn here." Which, at the time, seemed maybe like a foolish decision to make, but now it doesn't. So maybe they knew what was going on the whole time, Andrew. We may have to accept that they actually <laughs> uh, they knew what was going on at uh, the whole time. Yeah, you know, for me personally, uh, like you were talking about the Matt Weeders facts thing, and I'm impressionable. So it's really easy for me to have my opinion anchored around something. So if you introduce Matt Weeders as sliced bread is actually the greatest thing since Matt Weeders, to quote a uh, uh, friend of the blog, Keith Law. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, and then he comes out of the gate and he has a couple of disappointing offensive years and he's still learning how to be the great defensive catcher that he now is. Now the conversation, because you anchored it with, he is the greatest thing ever. Right, he's Joe Maurer. Now power. he's a big disappointment. And while it was a joke that Baseball Prospectus labeled him the biggest bust of all time, it's hard for me to to shake off that kind of negative impression. And it, it's the same thing with with the Orioles overall. You know, you lose for 15 years. I'm going to be a lot more pessimistic about everybody. And I'm going to look at what the front office does and say, here's why this move is bad, instead of looking at it with the glass half full and say, Here's the way that Nate McLeod, for example, can come in and, and really help the team in a situation where they really need help. Right. It just seemed impossible that the Orioles could have known what they were doing because we haven't seen them have any, well, I don't want to say any shred. We've not seen them have a great idea of what they were doing mm-hmm. Right. The, collectively. The, the results weren't there, and it looked like the process that was leading to those bad results was pretty bad, too. Yeah. But I think this year and just, you know, maybe speaking for myself only, my personal uh, maturation uh, as just a a guy uh, has really shown me that, you know, there's there's uh, who knows how many people working in the front office and all of them know what they're doing and they're all aware of where they are and how they got here and you you have to to trust the professionals basically that doesn't mean we can't question them that doesn't mean we can't uh, from time to time throw our hands up and scream all sorts of obscenities but you know there there's a, a level of respect for the Orioles franchise that wouldn't have been there if they didn't start winning and it really should have been yeah well winning gives you uh good of you some credibility that you didn't have before absolutely and And, you know and even hiring dan duquette and that sort of farce of a uh, process that ended in that way you know now looking back i mean who the heck knows what would have like andrew i was i was talking about this with stacy earlier today and we were we were briefly missing Nolan Reimold, because he was mentioned, because um, he had homered in four straight games like Chris Davis homered in four straight games. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we were because for one ex, to one reason you think because of course Andrew, I'm I'm a big Nolan Reimold fan, perhaps oh, well yeah. certainly irrationally. So I'm <laughs> sitting here to some extent. I want to sit here and say, you know, if only Nolan Reimold had been in left field the whole season, you know, the Orioles would be running away with the AL East. But just the the sheer unlikeliness of everything that has happened this year, like. I don't think I would really want to change one thing because if you change like one guy for one game, that could have ruined everything. Yeah, you know, even a guy like uh, Taylor Teagarden, who's hitting a buck seventy, has two walk-off hits. You know, maybe they lose those two games if if. Right, if we have Ronnie Paulino catching, if Taylor Teagarden never comes back from whatever, like he has nine hits on the season, but three of them are doubles and two of them are home runs. Yeah. Taylor Teagarden. How many of those are just his uh, extra innings? Like he he's something like a. I think four of them were extra innings. In regular game time and like a 400 hitter in extra innings. Yeah, it's ridiculous and awesome. Yeah, um, you know it's it's to borrow a phrase, Orioles magic, right? Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it's been. So I mean I don't want to change any one part of that any time. Right. And that's kind of why it's a little um, odd, I guess, to just name one guy most valuable Oriole. Right. They're all the most valuable Oriole. And this is something uh, Brooks Robinson said this uh, last night during his his on-field ceremony. He said, like, you will probably never see a team quite like this again. For And that may be more true than he realizes. And you will certainly very rarely see another team that so embodies the term team like this one where it's just it's there's no one guy carrying the team i mean adam jones and and matt weeders have have really contributed more than anybody else but they're not carrying the team right they're not the ones that are doing it although adam jones certainly has his share of i I don't know what the current stat is for home runs that either tied or gave the orioles the lead it was like Mm -hmm ridiculous like it was i think that was half or more of his home runs were were fit in one of those categories which is pretty cool but i mean it, it really yeah, is. like the like from the song every game is a different star if you take any one guy away and what he contributed this year like what if nick marcakis doesn't come back and doesn't hit like we all knew he could so many years ago as the as leadoff hitter. hitter you know maybe the orioles never find that second half jump start that they really needed you know, there's, there's so many what-if scenarios out there. One for basically each player who showed up. Yeah. And frankly, I can't wait to see what Steve Pierce does this week. I know. His second, <laughs> his second Orioles stint. Right. What a weird season for that guy. He's been on different. He's been on, he's been on two different contenders and the Astros. Yeah. And he was featured in the uh, the most ignominious gif of all time really yeah he was the guy just sort of supermanning in from nowhere in the just that complete fail <laughs> infield or whatever that thing team was. Steve. Team he's Steve. back so uh, you know it's just i wouldn't want to change a single thing at this point i just couldn't how could you because how I could mean, you couldn't look at anything and guarantee that just left to go that if you plugged in a quote-unquote better player 
that it wouldn't have messed up the whole the the whole the whole the whole chi or whatever I don't whatever you want to call it I don't know yeah it wouldn't want to do it so we're going towards the playoffs although we haven't we haven't clinched yet as of this oh. second. We're we're going to the playoffs. Going towards the playoffs, and honestly, I wouldn't wouldn't want to change a thing. So we're going to take a short break here on Camden Cast. We'll be about thirty-ish seconds, and then we will be back. So enjoy a little music for now. You're listening to Camden Cast, the Baltimore Orioles fan podcast with Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. If you'd like to hear from us between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. Andrew is at Gibson Andrew, and I am at EatMoreSK, E-S-S-K-A-Y, just like the hot dogs. And now, back to the show. And just like that, we are back, and Andrew and I are going to jump right back into talking about the Orioles, because, Andrew, there's a lot to be excited about. Mm. We uh, we have more to be excited about than we could even talk on if we if we were podcasting <laughs> for the rest of the night, really. To our podcast? Or or not onto our podcast. Any, Maybe when talking. we do our playoff podcast. Yeah. Yes. By the way, look forward to later in the week. Uh, uh, there will be a pre-playoff podcast to whatever end we need to be dissecting a specific playoff matchup. So whenever that is, uh, I look forward to that. But for now, since it's it's not 100% certain, but the according to the ESPN standings thing that has been giving the Orioles like zero chance all year, it's now up to 99.2% playoff chance for the Orioles. So I like I like 99.2% odds pretty pretty good. Uh, yeah, that they that they will make it at least into the playoffs and play at least one game. That seems a little low right now. So who do we want to see the Orioles play? What is the preferred get into the playoffs scenario? Like what what matchup do you want in the division round or whatever? Well, okay, so let's lay out our options. Uh, we got obviously the uh, the wild card matchup with. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, most likely. Most likely. Yeah. Right. The Angels could sneak in there, but they need some help, and the Rays are a little doomed. Right. The Rays get eliminated with either one Oakland win or one Rays loss. Yeah. So they're they're probably not going to hang in. And I believe for the Angels, it's two Oakland wins or Angels <laughs> yeah. losses. And one so, of those losses could be tonight. That game is still ongoing. We're sweating a little bit more than when we started recording you in the future will know the outcome, and Andrew and I still do not know the outcome, but that, yeah, that may change later in the podcast. It is getting awfully close. It's getting it's getting oh. late. Oh, hey, old, our old friend, Koji Uehara. Yeah, as, as we're talking right now, Koji and his awesome sideburns are on the Yeah. So either that will make you happy or fill you with dread, depending on what happens in the future. Oh, man. Um, I kind of I wish Koji Uehara were... We're still in the Baltimore bullpen for this season. Yeah, but we wouldn't want to change one thing, Andrew, because then if we didn't have Cody, but, we wouldn't have Chris Davis's 30 home runs. That's a good point. That is a good point. 31 home runs because he hit one today. So we got to make the trade-off. Uh, that, that pains me. I mean, I like Koji, but I like even more having a good Orioles team. 
So anyway, the Orioles are in a position where uh, they, if they have the same record as the Yankees for whatever reason, which Andrew and I don't feel likely just because the Yankees get to play the Red Sox, who just look like they're laying down and waiting to die. They got the thousand yards going on. Yeah, uh, but if somehow it happened that the Orioles and Yankees won the same number of games, Mm -hmm. then the Orioles would play the Yankees at home to determine who would win the AL East. One game playoff on Thursday, the fourth of October. So that's that's first of all. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. It'll probably be one game wild card. And. uh, I would enjoy, I think, one game versus Oakland in Baltimore, because then the Oakland doesn't have whatever the advantage is of their uh-huh. park. And uh, there, yeah. oh, man, there's just no team I want to play. I want to see the Orioles play one game against. No. one do or die game against. But none of them want to play the Orioles either, man. Like you well, watch right, the Orioles, but... and you're like, I don't want to play those guys at home in one game. Yeah, but the crowd is going to be nuts. That's just that's that's rough. That's that's really rough. Right. It'd be much better if the Orioles just win the division. Right. I mean, obviously, the the preferred entry into the playoffs is as the AL East champion. Of course. And then they would be playing either the wild card winner or the Detroit Tigers. But for this year only, the first two games of the ALDS will be played on the road for the division yeah. winner. Yeah. So you have to, weird. have to think about that as uh, yeah as a as a factor as well. But so that's the price for playing one fewer game that you have to win to get to there. But well, I mean, even at home. Uh, Home field advantage probably changes the the coin flip game from 50-50 to maybe like 52-48. Right. Not. I mean, I know like the the crowd's gonna be just dynamite, but you know, it's a big difference between playing the Athletics and the Red Sox. Right. Or or this version of a team that calls itself the Red Sox. Uh. So. That's tough. You know, there's really no way to sort of twist it to make it look like the Orioles are heavy favorites in that game or in any playoff scenario. But Nobody's a heavy favorite. We have, you just to, have, to, have to live with this, Andrew. There's you just no, got to buy your tickets and take your chances. There's no heavy favorite. This is, you know, this is what it's like to be in the playoffs, I guess. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen. Um, Freaking St. Louis Cardinals could fluke into a right, exactly. World Series. Uh, or um, the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies in 2007. October. They stopped losing baseball games in early September. Got to game 163 against the Padres. Just rolled right along. Rolled right into the World Series where they got swept. Yeah, but that's because they swept the NLCS. And then they were chilling out for like six yeah. days while the ALCS had to go. I want to agree with that. But that's then, the narrative that's probably you wrong. Look at the the losing pitchers in the World Series, and it's like uh, Jeff Francis and Aaron Cook, and gosh, it's just Josh Fogg. It's like, oh, that's why they just they were gonna get decimated by the the Red Sox, but, no matter what. But it's easy to blame that. So the the Rockies won 11 games in a row in that September. Yeah. 
That's and then they they swept the first two rounds of the playoffs. I think that sounds think. right to me as well. And that's really cool. And it, you know, it just goes to show that it's less about who's better. I mean, we can match up to death. Like, oh, the A's position by position versus the Orioles. You know, they're very equally created teams and blah, 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 blah. But it's just who's going to be hot that night. Who's better on that night or three out of five nights? You know, Taylor Teagarden could be the big hero in that game. In the 12th inning. Or, I don't know, whoever is playing for the athletics in, in some pinch hit role could just come out of nowhere. You know, that's how it goes. Is Brandon Inch still? Uh, no, he got hurt, didn't he? Yeah. So probably not Brandon Inch. Uh, maybe Eric Sogard can come back. Josh Reddick. Right. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough to uh, to really hope that that's the way to go, as opposed to playing the Tigers or, or the, the um, wild card winner, Yankees, Rangers. Now, the dream scenario, Andrew, is if the Orioles win more games than the Yankees do over the last three, meaning they just have uncontested AL East. And then on top of that, you add the unlikely layer, but possible, but though unlikely, if the Athletics sweep the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. then they will win the AL West, and you'll have a wild card game of the New York Yankees versus the Texas Boy. Rangers. So what's uh, that? That's going to be like Hugh <laughs> Darvish versus CC Sabathia. That would be actually really, really entertaining. I think that game and would be totally stress-free for for me. So I would be down for that. So that's the ultimate dream scenario, which I don't think is very likely because I don't think an Oakland sweep of Texas is very likely. But if you if you want to talk the preferred playoff scenario, there you go. And that gives and if the Orioles don't have the number one seed then they are going to play the Tigers in round one, which actually I don't like either because you, know, yeah, well, you start up one game and Justin Verlander, oh, okay, maybe we can win so, three of the next four. So the problem with the Tigers, obviously, Verlander gets to go twice. Yeah, he's pitching, what, game one and game five. And then their their immediate depth's pretty good. Doug Fister and uh, Annabelle Sanchez. That's a pretty good one, two, three. Yeah. But then, like... You look at if you get into the ALDS against the Yankees, it's Sabathia, Corona, Pettit. That's pretty good. Or Hughes is being serviceable. Uh, And then plus they have the offense that always can score, you know, five million runs. You look at the Rangers; they got a U Darvish and and Matt Harrison having a pretty good year, and then uh, after that, Derek Cowan maybe. Although he played a stink bomb earlier in this game. Um, and the, the Orioles don't have the big names to go, like Miguel Gonzalez and Chris Tillman and Wei Yin Chen. If his arm hasn't fallen off. Right. Uh, but, you know, if the Orioles are going to be an underdog, it's not going to be by much. I would probably rather see the Tigers as, as the opponent. Um, just because... They are clearly lagging behind everybody else at, at whatever their true talent is. And maybe that's just a, a 1% bump to the Orioles' chances. But uh, 
you know, that's a team. If you can beat Prince Fielder and Miguel Cabrera, there's not a lot left on, on offense to to really get nervous about. Right, the mm-hmm. Orioles are six games better than the Tigers in as far as win-loss record. Mm-hmm. And consider that the just, Orioles... Just about everybody who's still in it is around five or six games better yeah. than the Tigers. So, and, and the Tigers have had their divisional opponents... Well, the White Sox, formidable. But then they play, you know, 18 games against the Royals, Indians, and Twins. And the Orioles have had to beat the crap out of the Yankees in race. Of course, they also got 18 games against this current... Yeah, the bottom feeder, Boston Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. But, you know, Detroit has a 41-28 and record against the Central... And only 21 and 18 against the East. That's a pretty big difference. Detroit is actually 13 and 20 against the West. Yeah, I, I think we can both agree that we don't really want to see the Orioles face the Rangers in a especially short series, since uh, the Rangers have had their way with Baltimore and then some right. this year. And yeah, the the one demon the Orioles haven't really exercised is the uh, Rangers, because yeah. just going back to the 33 game, you know, it's uh, well, you know, we were talking on this very podcast a couple months ago about the run differential thing, and it was like, well, if you just don't count the Rangers games, right. then you say that, and you don't want to see them in the playoffs. No, you do not. Um. And obviously, I mean, they've been in the World Series the past two years running. That's a dangerous, dangerous team. Right, like what if they're due to become of really the Buffalo hitters. Bills of the 2010s in the MLB, like just making it to the World Series and not winning? Uh, that'd be kind of hilarious and kind of sad for them. Yeah, it would be. I wouldn't be very sad for them, but they would be sad. So, Andrew, we mentioned Chen briefly. Do mm-hmm. we think his struggles are things that can be remedied, or is he maybe have a dead arm for the 2012 season? Well, it's really, I have no idea. Uh, I I mean, we'll have a better answer after his final regular season appearance tomorrow, because he's had an extra day rest uh, to try and settle in and do that. Actually, he had a week of rest, so that was two extra days, which hopefully will be good for him. But if it's not enough, then... You know, you can't even really count on him for the playoffs at all. But at the same time, like, I mean, he's going to get some playoff matchup if the Orioles make it to the ALDS. Right. You need four pitchers. He's going to be one of the right. four. You know, he might pitch in game three or something. Uh-huh. Um, here's the thing. Let's say uh, Chen goes out against the Rays uh, this, this week, and he throws seven innings. Strikes out seven, walks one, gives up two runs, no home runs. You know, do you say like, oh, well, he's obviously okay, he's cured, or do you just sort of chalk it up to a thing that happened and you continue saying, I have no idea, or or like, how do you like parse that in with the ongoing story of of him reaching the end of his gas tank? Well, I would then probably say. And maybe it's not the conclusion you can draw totally, but if he gets extra rest, he's more likely to be 
successful at this point. So if they can finagle giving him an extra day as opposed to, you know, resting four days, uh-huh. then that's that might work better. Well, it feels like it would work better. So here's the, the second part of my story. Chen did that exact game against the Rays two starts, three starts ago. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I got, I got gotcha. you, gotcha moment. Um, that was a really good game. The the Orioles won. They won three to two. He he pitched into the eighth inning, in the midst of this September collapse that he's been going through. He's had this one gem. He's had several pretty good games. Uh, he threw six innings against the White Sox with eight Ks and one walk. Um, the problem that I see is he's had this tendency really all year to just go out and lay a complete egg. Um, you you saw when he, when he faced the Yankees a couple weekends ago, and they just bombed him. Right, three home runs. right. Four and two-thirds innings, seven earned runs. Yeah. Um. And and he's had that tendency all year. At some point, I was looking up uh, the games that were blowouts against the Orioles. That that sort of this is part of the run differential conversation, where they would get blown out enough times that it didn't make up for the one run games they have been winning. But the starting pitcher most responsible for those blowouts was Chen the whole year. So he just has had this this every so often he just lays a total egg. And over the past two months, he's still pitching very good games, but he's laying more eggs, yeah. basically. But he's he's still throwing in these these really good games like he did three three starts ago. Which he did have an extra day of rest before that. But the one day extra rest is no guarantee that he'll do better because he had the extra day of rest before that game against the Blue Jays, and five earned runs in five innings pitched, giving We've up two. Been home trying runs. pretty much all year, especially as we've gotten into the second half, to give them an extra day or two whenever they could. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it seems for probably a month and a half they've been massaging to skip turns and have him be the one to get skipped when it can happen. Yeah, so on the year, he's made 16 starts on normal major league rest, and then 12 starts on five days rest, and then one each on six and seven days rest. So, you know, in Japan, uh, where he pitched last year and, and had been pitching, they pitch on much different rotations and in a much different um, climate-controlled environment. So... You know, maybe there's something there to he just can't go without five days rest at this point. Or, you know, maybe it's just he's wearing down a little bit or or who the heck knows? I mean, he could go out there in the playoffs on regular rest and, and throw as well as he, he is capable of throwing. There's not too many games that I've really watched and felt like, oh, he, they got to get him out of there. You know, some of the games that he doesn't have the good stuff, he can still sort of pitch around it and get to the sixth inning. Yeah, he's he's got the 
kind of the definition, well, not maybe the platonic ideal of, but a fairly mm-hmm. good example of a guy who's just, you know, crafty lefty, and you don't really know how he does it, but he somehow mystifies the hitters enough that uh, he can get by when when you're surprised that he can do that. I mean, you probably want to avoid him pitching a critical game in New York, for example, right. because he's a fly ball pitcher. A big part of his problem the past two months has been the home runs. Right. Um, New York, that's a, a bad team for a home run prone pitcher, and it's a bad ballpark for a home run prone pitcher. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, but if it's playing against the Tigers, they don't hit as many home runs. In fact, that was one of the things I wrote about this week. Um, of the contending teams, they, they get the fewest amount of their runs from the long ball. They get the fewest from the long ball, and as opposed to the Orioles and the Yankees, who are like 1-2 as far as the percentage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, what are they at? Like 48%, and the Yankees are 49-ish. I mean, there's yeah, a decimal point in there somewhere. But and the A's are up there, and then the Tigers and the Rangers are a little further down. Wow. How about that? At the same time, like we, uh, I've heard a lot about like Joe Saunders would be a really nice uh, playoff type pitcher because he's been there before, and he's actually pitching pretty well for for Baltimore. Uh, Chen, he was pitching in the the Japanese championship series last year. Yeah, he pitched to, uh In fact, I he, think the game one starters were Chen and yeah. Wada, uh, as I recall. Very cool story. So, you know, he's he's no stranger to that kind of pressure. Maybe that helps. Um, you know, I have no idea if like Jake Arrieta gets into a playoff game, how he responds. Right, he could easily not be able to find the strike zone, or he could throw 100 miles an hour on the outside corner and then just throw a knee-buckling curveball that makes you, like, shed a tear. Well, you know, with him, it's always felt like it sort of snowballs on him, whichever direction he's trending. If he's going really well, it seems like he gets better. And then if he hits a, a problem, like a snag, it just... Snow, snowballs in the other direction yeah. where things fall totally apart on him. Yeah. And I, I feel like that in the playoffs, the chances of that sort of thing happening go up for for him. But the, Right, because the, the pressure is increased, and if Jake Harrietta's problem is he thinks too much, how much is he going to think mm-hmm. in the playoffs? It feels, it feels like a bad combination. But, of course, uh, the Orioles' real big strength is their bullpen. So you imagine in all these playoff games that are all do or die, short leashes for everyone. Yeah. Let's get that bullpen cranking. Get Darren O'Day out there. Get Steve Johnson out there. So on and so on. Get Brian Mattis out there. How crazy is it to say that? (laughs) But it goes back to the thing I I was saying earlier about just pessimism versus optimism where okay brian mattis is coming back they had to move him to the bullpen in triple a i was so depressed about that i was like man there goes another number one draft pick he's wasted and now he's back and he's contributing key innings in this 2012 Orioles season yeah you know they found a, a job that wasn't hard for him situational lefty reliever 
let it fly, go get them, and then you get that confidence back. You start to, okay, let's see how you can do in this next situation. Right, like give him a full inning and don't worry if it's like lefty-righty-lefty. We'll just say we'll let him fly against the righty and it's okay. It really uh, has has worked out magnificently. I don't know if that means he can go back to being a starter or not. But But it means he's helping the 2012 Orioles. And, Andrew, one of the – I mean, I feel like it's getting talked about in the blogosphere some, but not so much in the – mainstream press, especially not nationally, just the sheer number of repurposed assets that Orioles are using. Like, literally, there was, what, what was it in the the, uh, the 18 games, the 18 inning Seattle game, four-fifths of their opening day starting rotation pitched in that game. Right. <laughs> yeah. The only one who didn't was Jason Hamill, because he's hurt. Because Chen started that one, and then... Uh, Hunter and Madison Arietta all appeared in relief. So, I mean, that's just crazy. And that was a game they won, game they needed to win. Won in a number string of improbable Orioles victories. And, you know, they made use of those guys. They they were failed starters and uh well, now they're now they're do. getting key relief innings in September. Yeah. So, who knows what it means for next year, but it's pretty awesome that uh they're making that happen. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's felt a lot like, okay, we have this opening. We need filled. Who do we have who can really succeed in that role? Right. Like, okay, Brian Roberts went down. Who can be the leadoff? Hitter? Like instead of trading for some marginal scrub in somebody else's bullpen and being like, well, right. here's an experienced, dependable arm. They're trading a guy from Norfolk's rotation to bullpen and then bringing him back up to Baltimore. So... You know, that's, so that's even I, better. I have a pretty interesting question for you. Okay. I was talking with my dad earlier today about how the playoff uh, roster is going to break down. Okay. And one of the things that we sort of came to a brick wall on is, is Jim Tomey going to be on the playoff roster? Because Jim Tomey and Chris Davis fulfill very similar roles. Right. And if... Nick Markakis is healthy and can come back. I do not know if that's true or not. But if he comes back, is there room for for Davis and Tommy? Like, do you do you really want I don't to know. drop Tommy? The or? question is, if he's not on the roster, can they leave him in the dugout to give everyone a brisk handshake when they uh, <laughs> when they hit a home run? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what our what our brisk handshake value is. We we're going to assign to that, but it seems like does he give them a laurel? And a brisk handshake? I don't know. It's just the brisk handshake has just become one of my favorite things randomly about the Orioles right now. He's always there. Anytime anybody scores, you just he's gonna shake your hand. Good job. Jeff Well like um clearly I mean right now they're sort of platooning Lou Ford and Chris Davis in uh right field. And when Chris Davis plays as the right fielder, Jim Tomey is the DH. And when Chris Davis is the DH, then Jim Tomey is kind of a, a pinch hitter. Andrew, we have breaking news that everyone who's been listening has been waiting for. The Angels yeah. have just made the third out in the ninth inning. Well, the Orioles go. are in the playoffs. There you go. How does it feel, Mark? Andrew. How does it feel? It's a little dusty in here right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> 1997. I was in, I was a freshman in high school, and I wasn't even 
nearly this aware of the Orioles because it was just like, ah, the Orioles are there, they're good, they'll always be good. No, having no idea that they would not always be good. And now it's been a long slog through my the entirety of my teenage years and 80% of my 20s <laughs> to get back to this point. Just completely unexpected. Never would have seen it coming. But here we are. They're, uh, they're at least guaranteed to be in the playoffs right now. September the 30th, 2012. It's in fact about 10.25 Eastern in the evening as we're rolling along on this podcast. So we are going to take a short break and digest that fact. We need to... We we might need to have a little emotional moment off the mic here. And then then we'll be back. So hold tight and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Camden Cast, the Baltimore Orioles fan podcast with Mark Brown and Andrew Gibson. If you want to hear more from us between episodes, you should also make sure to check out the website, camdenchat.com, where you'll find discussion on all the latest Orioles happenings and sometimes just random whatever is going on. Check out our Facebook page and give us a like. It's facebook.com slash camdenchat. And you can subscribe to this podcast if you search for us on iTunes with Camden Cast. And now, back to the show. And we're back here on Camden Cast. We are popping our virtual champagne corks. Uh, we've got the plastic tarp up over our computer screens and pretending to spray it around. Maybe Andrew's not really doing that, but I might have done that a little bit. I'm just dousing myself in beer. So it's uh, it's it's appropriate that we got to record this podcast and get to this question right around the moment the Orioles have clinched because Andrew emailed me a few days ago with podcast topics and he asked me a question that I thought was going to make for some nice uh, nice podcast discussion and something you all should think about out there as you're having the day after the Orioles have clinched. Uh, a playoff spot celebration. And the question is, when did you really, really, really start to believe that there was something special going on for this Orioles team? So, Andrew, do you have an answer, like, ready and waiting? I do, and I don't think you're going to like it. Okay. Uh, It was last night. Oh. It was after I asked you that question. But it, it really was. Um. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't live in Baltimore. I I didn't get to go to nearly as many games as you did. Um, although I did have a fun conversation with, I believe, uh, uh, Bill Duck and and Dave AA and uh, uh, Terrace Fistjab were were all at the game with me last night, and um, we had a, a fun little discussion about. Oh yeah, you're you're here today. That's cool. I was here when Brad Ferguson was getting lit up by the Yankees last year. Where were you then? Or I was here when Rodrigo Lopez was the Orioles ace. Stuff like that. Yeah. Why? I wonder what would be the ultimate trump card for that. <laughs> what was like if somebody was like, "Well, I was at the 33 game and stayed for the nightcap." Yeah. Okay. If somebody that's... could pull that out. I feel like that's the trump. Um. But seriously, I mean. 
a big part of what's made this season this season is the fact that it's been so unlikely that it, that it's been just a rabbit out of the hat um in a, in a lot of different ways right um, you know it snuck up on us weird contributions from weird players and uh it's it's been really cool and at the same time for 90% of it it's been just kind of waiting for it to stop and right, we're finally at the point where it's not going to stop in the regular season we're there right. but i didn't and it took me being there and and hearing the the loudness of the crowd and hearing Brooks Robinson talk about what team means and and hearing Gary Thorne say oh and by the way the Yankees lost and everybody went crazy. Yeah, and th- and that was it. That was the moment <laughs> when Gary Thorne said that. That's a fair answer. I mean, you know, it it's not the way I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be that we went in out of the gate and yeah, the Orioles are going to dominate this year, and they have some ace who's just mowing them down. And but you know, this is what we got, and this is better than that. Because every step has been unexpected and awesome. Because it's just like every time you're thinking, it just, I mean, Andrew, the 16 straight extra inning wins, I guarantee you every one of those 16 I- games, I was certain the Orioles were going to lose. <laughs> yeah. That became a joke in that 18 inning game because every time Jesus Montero came up to the plate, I posted on Cam and chat, oh, Montero's about to walk off here. And I, honest to God, believed that was going to happen. Because, of course, that's what would happen. It's the Orioles in an 18 inning game. But then they know, didn't. The, the record number of one run victories. Yeah. Or however that shook out. Um, just, it's been such a weird, cool year. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's been a slowly unfolding process for me as far as... Really I really, I honestly would not trade it for for anything else. Like this, when I, my dad always talks to me about 1982 and how the yeah. Orioles... You know, if they won on the last game, they would have been in, and they lost it, and so they weren't. And he just always talks about that, and of course 1989, which I was alive for, but didn't particularly remember, you know, because I was five, so mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly absorbing games in the way that I am now. And, you know, this is up in the pantheon with that kind of stuff. It it has to be. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to uh, lead to a, a overall dynasty or anything like that. But if if it's just this one year, God, uh, man. Like if they when if they lose if they don't win the World Series, obviously there will have to be some disappointment. No just way. Getting over it. No, I mean. But looking like, back, everybody's gonna like go 1989. Sure. Nobody's really disappointed now. Now that's that random cool year, and it was the the journey that was cool. And I feel like 2012, you know. If you're looking back on it from 2025, that's what it's going to feel like, you know, even if the Orioles don't win it all, which it, it would be awesome if they did win it all. But. Yeah, when um, future archaeologists unearth this podcast know that it was cool now going through it. Slowly, like, and I just feel like maybe the first game where I really started thinking, man, there's something really 
interesting, weird, I don't know, going on here. And you think about the Chris Davis in relief game. I don't know that it gets even more, any more just unlikely as far as a win to just kick off. Laying down the, the, the swinging strikeout on Adrian Gonzalez. Unbelievable. With the play at the plate that saved it in the 16th inning. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. But it happened, and I watched it. And then just, just so many games like that. Just like uh, the Adam Jones walk-off home run in the June game against the Phillies, 12th inning. That was pretty, mm-hmm. you know, bring back the belief. Probably the biggest one for me, uh, well, I mean, I was at a number of these games, like the uh, the Thursday day game, 14 innings against the Rays, where they ended up winning. I was there. That one was pretty, you know, pretty good for belief. But the Cal statue night was my Cal, yeah, yeah. my real tipping point. Because, Andrew, much as you getting to be at the Brooks statue game made you really just appreciate the full crowd, I mean, mm-hmm. it was that on the Cal statue night and, and then some. And... It, you could just feel the excitement in the air, and the Orioles were up big early, and then Pedro Strope melted down, and it was just so tense. And then Adam Jones steps up, and eighth <laughs> inning, home run. The place went absolutely insane. It's crazy. I've never heard it that loud. And there was quotes in the press after that where Adam Jones was saying how he would always ask the trainer Richie Vancells, who's been like the one constant in like probably since Kevin Yards opened, I think they might have opened, and Richie Van Sells was like one of the... <laughs> he had uh, already been there yeah, for like, 10 years. He, like they built him as part of like Kevin yeah. Yards or something. <laughs> like Somehow they, they grew a trainer. But anyway, so Adam Jones asked him, how loud could Kevin Yards get? And he said after he hit that home run, Richie Van Sells went over and told him, that's how loud. And, it, I mean, it's the loudest I've ever heard it. Was then, yeah, and then, yeah. and then, it, then, they, then they just kept pouring it out because two more home runs that same inning. So um, I thought of two interesting uh, analogies to make. Um, uh, I'll pick the first one first, obviously. Uh, so, if, and bear with me, please, because this is embarrassing. Uh, in the movie Batman Begins, and I'm sorry already. Uh, the Liam Neeson's character talks about, uh, he's talking about his dead wife and he talks about how eventually it gets to the point where all of your good memories turn to poison. And like, we would watch like those old, um, the games from 96 and 97, the highlights from the, the, the Camden Yards 20th anniversary series. And you would see like the crowds, and they were talking about, like, yeah, Bobby Bonilla hit this huge clutch home run as the Orioles were, like, stampeding into September and the crowds were full and going nuts. And it was just like, that is not, that's not what it's like. And and it really, it got to the point where it hurt that it used to be like that and it wasn't like that. Yeah. But, I mean, people have come back in September. Right. And, you know, there was the ballyhooing through the summer well, the Orioles are winning and nobody's coming to the games. It's such a shame. Well, I mean, there's been September they've been there, and you know, yeah, people. It, it, some people like make fun of fans at sporting events that only cheer when the jumbotron is 
saying this and that. And I mean, it's not like that. I, for anybody listening out there, the, Cam- no, the really Camden Yard isn't. crowds have been doing you proud because there's just constant excitement and sure that yeah, when the jumbotron says do something they do something but sometimes just the cheer just happens like people just love cheering manny 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 it just happened people were just like it's manny machado they're excited it's manny machado they're cheering for him giving lj hose a standing ovation after he grounds out the shortstop <laughs> just because he busted down the line but they were cheering let's go hose before that yeah yeah Oh, and that man, was in a game that was swinging too, so it was like you know, the, uh, the 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 outcome wasn't exactly in doubt, and there was just still just all this energy just flowing out, and it's L.J. Just, Hose made his major league debut and grounded out, and he got a standing ovation. You can feel the catharsis from Baltimore. Right, it's purging. It's so it's cool. Getting it's getting its way out there. It's so. It's just, I'm about to swear, and I'm not going to do that on this uh, family-friendly podcast. So I'm going to stop talking. It's, yeah, it was cool. It's It's been cool. So I don't know. As far as what I believe, like it's I mentioned, it's been a slowly unfolding process. And there were always doubts up until right now that they clinched tonight. Like It just still seemed like waiting for the the Orioles' disaster to still happen. Which was perhaps no stronger than, and it's hard to imagine this now. They were 46 and 44 on, after losing on July the 17th, and I was convinced it was just, yeah. Well, basically, what happened to the Pirates, I was certain was going to happen to the Orioles. But then at that time, they won five straight games and kept stringing together, you know, win a few, lose a couple, win a few more. Lose. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at their. Um result chart on baseball reference and there's a fulcrum point of the season and it is literally i had identified this game before you said anything the fulcrum point for just the way they were performing is july the 17th they lost to the twins they were 46 and 44 and then everything got better like overnight you know that could have been the the moment the bottom fell out and right like it didn't. felt like they were never going to win another game because the day before that that uh 46 and 44 record they lost 19 and 7 19 to 7 against the twins and if you're losing the twins 19 to 7 you've messed something up it felt like and chris tillman looked bad and you know the next day what was it luis ayala blew the game on that uh and this was coming right out of the All-Star break. Right. They had lost four of five, you know. It, was, it felt so we, bad. We talked about 2005 a lot, and that was kind of, they came out of the All-Star break and then dropped a couple to the Twins, if I, or maybe the Marlins or somebody, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, in fact, 2005 was the fail to intentionally walk Miguel Cabrera against yeah, the Marlins game, so that might have been one of those games. And the bottom fell out there. And maybe that was just, you know, everything catching up to them or, or what. But everything changed that day. Everything. Everything. Although they ended up at 52 and 49 on July the 28th and ascended from that, which again is pretty a pretty steep climb from there to a 92 and 67 record, which is what they have right now. 
So they kind of playoff berth. So they've gone since the 28th of July. They have gone 40 and 18. Holy crap! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy crap! Exactly. <laughs> they were eight and a half back on the 28th. They were 10 back on the uh, the 17th of in the AOE. So now they're tied. And they're not doing it with the one-run wins anymore. I mean, they've won a that's, number that's of one-runners in that, there, but they're that, winning. That part of their their thing is done. They're winning games. Right, and, you know, the, the much ballyhooed run differential is finally yeah, up uh, into the positive after today. It's, like it's plus, plus 11. 12, plus 11, yeah. yeah. So that 99.2% playoff from, from earlier is now 100%. Although it's kind of too bad, it would have been really cool to see a uh, a playoff team in Baltimore with a negative run differential. That that stuff doesn't happen. No, that would have been interesting. I mean, when we were saying earlier that teams with negative run differentials don't go to the playoffs, well, they don't. The Orioles aren't aren't going to do that either. So very difficult. Unless they want to get blown out all week in Tampa, I would prefer that they did. No, because they need to win some games. So hopefully they uh, they do that. So there we go. So there's our ascent. It's hard. It's still it's hard to believe. I mean, I I, I don't know that I fully wrapped my head around it, Andrew. When did you start to believe? Like, I have Last to minute. I have to accept that I am believing. You know, five minutes ago. Simultaneously to being excited about the Orioles being in the playoffs, like it's happened, and I have to accept that that's reality. Yeah. This is uh, cool. I'm in a constant state of trying to cope with reality. Like, I don't know. I might have to get off this podcast and just go get really drunk because that might be the only way I can handle this reality. As long as it's responsibly. Drink responsibly. Andrew, you, <laughs> you know, Gary Thorne had the ultimate moment today. And you, if you were listening to the game on Sunday, you probably heard it. He was, uh, he was relaying all the different social media ways that you can – get in and follow the Orioles. And, mm-hmm. you know, he read off Facebook and Twitter and a couple other things. And then he ended it up by saying, and you can find them on Pinterest. And then he paused and he was like, what in the hell is Pinterest? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him say hell on the air before, but Pinterest was so confusing to him that he had to stop and say, That's good. what in the hell is Pinterest? So I was, I was convinced that he may have been chastened that he actually let the word hell slip out, that when it came time... For the uh, the please drink responsibly promo, he didn't even he didn't emphasize the drink or pause before the responsibly. Maybe that was his contrition for saying hell on the air. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because he hadn't been drinking responsible uh, responsibly. Well, you should always drink. Always drink responsibly. Always drink responsibly. I, my favorite for that, Andrew, was earlier in the year. Uh, there was one of the games. I think they were in. Anaheim, but it might have not been. And I swear he paused so long that it was like I don't even remember if it was Palmer or Bordick, but like they had to slip. Like Bordick or Palmer started saying responsibly because they weren't sure if Gary was going to finish saying responsibly before <laughs> it went to the commercial break. And then they both said responsibly together. I think it was all the way back in April. I want to say it was in Anaheim. There have been many times listening on MLB TV that it just cuts to commercial before he gets the response. Oh, well, if you watch on and TV, it, it never stops being funny. He uh, he's gotten it off every time, but there was one time where I think it was Bordick, because that was, if I remember right, 
in that series, Bordick almost got uh, in trouble for Jer- uh, Jerome Williams' pink glove because he was mm-hmm. going to say something insulting about it, but then it turned out that was because his mom died from breast cancer or whatever. Mm. Anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent. We're just so excited here. We can't even keep coherent <laughs> thoughts in our minds right at this moment. But Andrew, let's look a little bit ahead to the final series versus the Rays, just uh, just a tiny bit, because there is still some impact in those games if the Orioles would like to have yeah. a home playoff game or division. perhaps even... Yeah. The uh, the division. You gotta so, bypass that wild card. So first first things first. Here's the Yankees and Red Sox series. Just the probable current scheduled pitchers for Monday. They're going to have Clay Buckholz versus CC Sabathia. <laughs> Tuesday is John Lester versus Ivan Nova, and Wednesday is Daisuke Matsuzaka versus Hiroki mm. Kuroda. Well, nuts. <laughs> so I'm feeling like if the Yankees don't win two out of three for them, that's really pathetic. Uh, Lester versus Nova is probably the best chance, just because Nova's been kind of struggling. The problem is the Red Sox look like they've totally checked out. Yeah, they're they're done. Yeah. They don't want to be there anywhere. And that's in, well, in New York as well. Right. And it, I mean, it's tough for a team that they're they're done, they've been done. They're at a center of managerial controversy, and you know you get to go to the beach or wherever you're going in in a couple of days. So it's it's tough. It's tough to find that motivation. I mean, we've seen it in Baltimore, year after year after year. Right. But, Except the last you know, two years, they played hard in September. So. Well, you know. I mean that that's to their credit, but. It, uh, it's easy to get that thousand yard stare yep. and uh, and just get pummeled. So the Orioles versus the Rays. Monday, as we already talked about, is going to be Chen starting versus Alex Cobb. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, we'll see Miguel Gonzalez versus James Shields. I don't know if they still call him Big Game James. They do, but that, that still doesn't make any no, sense. No, it never made sense to me. It's James Shields. I mean, he's okay, but... I mean, he's a great pitcher. Just I don't I don't recall the big game no. that that he is responsible. And then the when the last regular season game, which they were talking about, may have to get moved to an afternoon start time depending on the, mm-hmm. the wild card business, uh, is Chris Tillman versus Jeremy Hellickson. Well, th- I mean those are the three guys that that make up my uh, Baltimore postseason rotation. Yeah, not in that order. Well, maybe but... Joe Saunders slips in there. Yeah, I could see Saunders or um, if you really want to get nuts, Steve Johnson could slip in there. That would be pretty nuts. Probably Saunders is your four. Um, but I mean the the thing the Orioles are going to do going into the playoffs and and this series is just you know keep riding the horse they got you here. Yep. Basically. And that's yeah that's what they should do. Yeah. Uh, Gonzalez has been really great. Tillman has looked. Like a new new person, yeah. He just he looks like a, an older, wiser dude, and obviously the results are there for him, and that's really exciting in a lot of different ways. Um, the Rays are really good. They've won ten of their past eleven games. But um, they no, they they are not eliminated from the playoffs because their elimination number is one, but they're close. They can tie with Oakland. If they sweep and Oakland gets swept. Right. 
Yeah. So it doesn't look good for him, but you know, hope is not extinguished. They're, they're going to go out there yeah. hard. Um, because it, it is do or die for them, and they may do and die anyway, which is kind of sad, but not really. Well, I mean, because you know. like I told you earlier, if they really wanted to be in there, they should have won some more baseball games. And they'll be back. They're they're really good. They they know what they're doing. They'll be back. They can deal with it this year. Yep. They can deal with another upstart. They're not the uh, the only upstart in town anymore. I mean, it's funny because uh, forgetting the Yankees for just a moment. I wish I could forget these, the Yankees even for a moment. All of these other teams, I mean, I've spent the past 15 years finding different playoff teams to root for that aren't the Orioles and vaguely getting into it and, and really rooting hard for them. And um, that's been its own reward sometimes. And, you know, like, I like the A's. I like the whole deal with the A's. But, you know, somebody's got to go home, and I don't want it to be the Orioles. Now, this year we can root for the Orioles. We don't have to yeah. pick a team yet. So, We're rooting you know, for the I like Orioles. All, I like all these teams. I like the Rays. I, 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 you know, forgetting the Yankees for a moment. I, I like the A's. I like the Tigers. I like the Angels. They all got to go home if I want my team to win. So, you know, Tampa Bay. Screw them all, man. You, you got to go home. You got to go. You can go play golf while the Orioles are uh, doing whatever they're going to be doing. Enjoy enjoy the golf. So, yeah, that's a really good team. They're going to miss out on the playoffs by just a few games. So, you can't really separate them out from the pack. They're not. They're not, they're not like the Red Sox. Right. They're not like the uh, the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, the last place Red Sox who've lost nine of their last ten games. So it's uh, it actually it we've seen enough examples over the years that this is not true, but just from a fan point of view, it feels good to have to go into the playoffs playing a good team instead of a bad team because it's like okay. Get warmed up for real now. You can't just hit homers off Aaron Cook and call it a day. Yeah. That's true. There will be no Aaron Cook in the postseason. There aren't there aren't really bad teams. There's maybe flawed teams that make it in, but not bad ones. And you know. But, even, uh, even the, the, the worst player on a playoff team still earned their spot, did their part on the way there. You know, I don't know. We'll take it one one game at a time. One I'm day sure at a time, I suppose. And uh, if they fall behind the Yankees, if they lose tomorrow or whatever, then just deal with it. You know, catch back up the next day. And yeah, the party, uh, the party, really the party will else. not stop on the end of the day on August uh, August October the third. That's that's the important thing for now. And it's cool. It's fun. It's been fun. It's been a fun ride. We'll continue to be a fun ride as long as it lasts. Yeah. I guess that's our conclusion. So, Andrew, do you have any kind of final uh, tidbit thought? Anything? Really. No. We've 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 gone over whatever we would have said as a final thought already, probably. I would say. So, uh, Andrew and I will, in fact, be back sometime, perhaps uh, Thursday evening we'll record and post on Friday before 
whatever playoff game is happening. Because, uh, well, we got to do we got to do a playoff breakdown now, Andrew. And once we know who the Orioles are going to play, we can uh, we can look at that in a bit greater detail. We we are going to analyze the heck out of that matchup and, to the uh, point of sheer meaninglessness. You won't even remember who you are at the end of it. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something well, out of a Philip K. Dick story or something. Well, um, as the parlance, the local parlance goes, uh, buckle up, Mark. Yeah. I was wearing that shirt yesterday, and uh, buckle up. You know, I thought that thing was stupid when they first decided to use that phrase, and it's grown on. Well, it's you know, it's grown on the, me in the, a hurry. The Birdland thing was dumb when they introduced it, and now it yeah, has. we made it our own. We definitely did make the Birdland thing our own, and now we're embracing buckle up, because well, it's a roller coaster ride, so you do want to be strapped in, buckled up. So I guess that's even more fitting. I really and thought. remain seated until it comes to a complete stop. Yes. Unless you want to stand up and cheer if something awesome happens. Then that's okay. But, you know, that's all we have for tonight. But we'll be back later in the week because there's playoff podcasts to be made. That's pretty cool. Yeah, buddy. For tonight, that's all we've got. I am here with my podcasting partner in crime, Andrew Gibson, and my name is Mark Brown. We're bringing you Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and we are in the playoffs.